0: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff
1: from HowStuffWorks.com. And welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Jonathan Strickland, host extraordinaire. And I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. I'm
0: sitting across from him. I'm There you
1: go. She's basking in the glory that is the Strickland. Oh, yes. Uh, it is the end of a long day here at Works headquarters. I don't know where I am anymore, which is good because we're talking about Google Maps. So hopefully I will be able to find some direction in my life by the end of this show.
0: Because we live in the incredible future. So you have a cell phone in your pocket, right?
1: Uh... Well, technically, my cell phone's at my desk, but normally, yes, I would, in fact, have it in my pocket.
0: Okay, you have a hypothetical cell phone in your hypothetical pocket. Uh, I'll roll with that. Therefore, you are connected to a network of systems that knows exactly where you are.
1: Yeah, it's both uh, reassuring and yet terrifying.
0: (laughs) Which I think should be the slogan for Google Maps overall.
1: I used to have that on my business card, Jonathan Strickland, reassuring and yet terrifying. Uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about Google Maps now. Now, Lauren, I know in your research, uh, because we alluded to it earlier before we actually sat down at the microphones, you said you had sort of a uh, kind of a, a grand scale timeline of the Google Maps experience, which is. Not what I was looking up, so I would be fascinated to hear a little bit more about this.
0: Of course, yes, and this is an extremely comp- complex timeline that I that I page together from a single document that Google has up on its website. So
1: don't th- don't tell them how the sausage is made, Lauren. <laughs> we are brilliant. They don't know that.
0: I, d- I actually want to go a little bit back before their timeline starts to 1995, which was when MapQuest launched.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, see, I remember the MapQuest days. Uh, Folks, uh, for those of you who have never used the web back in the Mm mid-'90s, MapQuest was a revelation because it was this idea that, hey, there's this place I want to go but I don't read maps very well. I don't like having to sit there and stare at intersections and I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how the folding works. Right. Or yes. I haven't
0: purchased the right one for this area. I
1: don't know which streets are one way versus two way. Mm-hmm. And then I end up making a plan that ends up wrecking about a dozen cars and I'm in a Michael Bay movie suddenly. <laughs> These are all bad things in my personal experience. Uh, Michael Bay, if you want me in your next movie, <laughs> anyway, uh, I can't explode. The, uh, th- but the important thing here was that you could actually plot out a a, a pathway. Now, uh, back then, that was pre-mobile web for the right. most part. So you ended up having to physically print the document that would give you the turn-by-turn directions.
0: And then take that with you in the car in the place of a more traditional map, which the company that created MapQuest actually began by making Traditional maps, cool. and, and they still do. I think, right? Yeah, probably.
1: You could maybe. you could even have uh, uh, a voice turn by turn if you had a passenger <laughs> read out. Hey, you know that street we just passed? We totally should have turned there. They
0: could do it in a robot voice if they if you really want them yeah, to.
1: Almost every single person who's ridden with me eventually starts to talk like a robot.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. And all right. Reassuring and uh, terrifying. <laughs> Reassuring and terrifying. I'm not sure if that one's reassuring at all. Anyway, um, so so yeah, let's you know, MapQuest enjoyed a good several years on the web, pretty much unrivaled, mm-hmm. and then then in um, 2004, Google, which at the time, do you know what Google was doing in
1: 2004? 2004. Uh Jesus, see, <laughs> 1998 when Google incorporates uh would have been discussing with Yahoo in 2000. No, I don't know what happened in 2004.
0: Well, neither do I. So
1: this is <laughs> this is terrific. That's awesome. So that was a question of 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 tr- you really wanted to know. I did. Well, you I know had what? a
0: curiosity. I bet
1: Google was looking around. Well, okay, so at this time, Google had already started to figure out how to monetize search. Right. Okay? So I, this part I can talk about just off the top of my head. Google had cracked the code on monetizing search. And in fact, if you look at Google as a company, a lot of, of analysts will tell you Google really is an ad company, not a search company. Right. They, they serve up ads. They happen to do that primarily through search. Well, they also – Determined that searching it goes beyond just searching for a term and getting a web page back. It also could mean finding ways to get to stuff. Now, Google did not necessarily have the people in house to develop that sort of technology from the ground up.
0: Right, and that is why they acquired two companies. They acquired Where Two and also Keyhole. Um, now, Where Two was a Sydney-based company, uh, designed uh, run by two Danish brothers, I yeah. believe, and Lars
1: and Jens.
0: Yes. <laughs> I can never say that so I'm glad that you did. Um and uh, and uh Keyhole was the company um that had the software that would become Google Earth.
1: Okay. All right, so yeah, so you've got the the foundations for uh mapping software and and Google Earth which Google Earth is a is a wonderful tool and it's really super cool. We will not be talking a lot about Google Earth in this podcast because it really goes outside the realm of what we're chatting about. We might allude to it once or twice, but it's sort of its own thing as opposed to uh, you know it, it, it's like a separate product from Google Maps.
0: Sure, bits of it have been integrated to Google Maps sure. to make it the rich experience that it is today. Right, but for the most part, it is a separate issue. Yeah, uh, but but uh, integral to to creating. The Google Maps experience that that we know of today. Sure. So, so that was that was 2004, 2005. Um, February is when the um, the project of Google Maps was announced on the Google blog.
1: Yep. And at that time, Google Maps was available only through two web browsers. Those web browsers were Bob's who lived in. No wait. No, I'm sorry. Web browsers, <laughs> not just two people. Uh, one was uh, Internet Explorer, which was at the time the the dominant, overwhelmingly dominant uh, browser. It's interesting to see like the whole rise and fall of the various browsers. Uh, and uh, the other one was not Netscape. Netscape was already uh, off the charts at that point. It was Mozilla, which we would eventually think of as Firefox, Firefox because Firefox was not you know, you know Firefox is not a Firefox is a direct descendant of Mozilla, but it's kind of a, a branch. It's it split off. Right. But anyway, at the time, those were the two browsers that supported Google Maps.
0: Right. Um, also in 2005, in uh, June, Google Earth and uh, Google Maps API both
1: launched. Right. API, that's an applications uh, program that allows developers to create stuff that works with whatever it is the product is. So uh, lots of different products have this, not just in Google. Application Programming Interface is technically what API stands for. So this is an interface that lets you build extra cool stuff that uses the technology developed by someone else. So Facebook, for example, has an API that allows people to build uh, the various games and other uh, apps that run within the context of Facebook. Mm -hmm. So the Google Maps API gave opportunities to other web pages to have this stuff integrated into their page. So you might see, you know, it, it, this was kind of a response to hackers. Who, right. Hackers were sitting there and they were kind of reverse engineering Google Maps to figure out how it worked and to try and give it new abilities based upon their own experience. And Google eventually said, you know what? let's just go ahead and create an API to make this easier because there's some really cool stuff happening out there.
0: Yeah, and also once you once you give people the capacity to use your product on their page, then you can add your advertising into it. Yeah. And yet again, they are an advertising company. Yeah, it so. turns
1: out a lot more people use your stuff if you make it easier to use. <laughs> Who would have thunk it?
0: Absolutely insane. <laughs> um, and in October of 2005, uh, Maps for Mobile Launched and uh, and that was that was back early enough in in cell phone service industry that maybe not that many people were capable of using it.
1: Yeah, two thousand five. You're talking about a time when uh, uh, you know smartphones. If you listen to our history of smartphones episodes, and if you haven't, it's okay. We'll wait. <laughs> But you you know that that's pretty early on in the history of smartphones. I mean, until we hit 2007 when the iPhone comes out, smartphones did not really become a big thing in the uh, consumer market. I mean, we had... Uh, prosumers and executives, right? Who
0: people in the business market, yeah. people who needed to be connected to their email all the time, uh, CrackBerry, all that kind right. of stuff.
1: A- above our pay grade, you know, <laughs> they they were taking advantage of this stuff. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that uh that Google got into that. Now, granted, it it makes perfect sense, right? Because it's again. One of, why? Why are you using these map programs in the first place? It's usually because you have to find your way to some other location, and so it who makes needs sense to do then. that
0: most often. Possibly business travelers. Yeah,
1: people who are going places. Yeah. It turns out that if you want to get from point A to point B, it's not always convenient to carry a desktop computer with you the whole way. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. Um, Okay, yeah. And uh, then then 2006 was when um, some of Google Earth's satellite images started to be integrated into Maps.
1: Very cool. Making
0: everything shiny. Yeah. Um, And uh, then in July, live traffic on mobile launched.
1: Also cool.
0: Yeah, traffic is very cool. Yeah,
1: we'll talk a little bit about how they do that.
0: Later on. Yeah, it's neat. Yes. Um, And scary.
1: (laughs) But mostly neat.
0: It knows where you are, but but not you, just you. There we go. I-
1: <laughs> I, I, you pretty much summed it up, but we will repeat it later in the show. Don't worry.
0: With a little bit more clarity and fewer pronouns. There we go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, So, yeah, 2007 was when MyMaps launched. Okay. Uh, MyMaps being um, uh, the capacity for individual users to make customized, shareable maps without using that fancy API kind of stuff and needing to have an actual developer working in things.
1: Oh, cool. So this would be an idea like... Uh, if you wanted to, to create a map that showed off, say, uh, a, a particular hiking route or, or jogging route or something, and you could send it off to someone else saying, this is what I use because it's really well lit, it's right. in safe neighborhoods, that kind of stuff. Very useful.
0: Yeah, yeah, if you're having a progressive dinner party and you want to show people the route from one house to the next, something like that. A
1: progressive, progressive dinner Progressive dinner party.
0: It sounds like a different thing than it is. I, I, I usually
1: have... have regressive dinner parties where I just – I just recede further and further into the background. That's, everyone who's listening is like, "That is so not true." He just gets more and more boisterous.
0: He does. He it's does. Clear. Well, but um, in, I have I have no transitions for any of these. That's fine. In in May, um, three hundred and sixty Street View was a thing. that happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and and that was that was when that was when they put some cameras on top of some cars and sent them out into the world and took a whole bunch of pictures of everything Um, upsetting some people, which we will talk about again later on in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but, but giving you, giving you the capacity to, to visit a place that you have never been and get an idea of what it's like to walk around there.
1: Very useful. I I use this uh, when I took a trip to New York so I could figure out where I needed to go to catch the subway. Right. And so I was looking for visual cues because, uh, I'm a Southerner and I was lost in New york city
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, speaking speaking of which uh, Google Transit was then integrated into maps in October
1: yes, very useful,
0: so extremely useful, especially for people who do not drive yes Yeah. this
1: this is the uh, product that lets you look up things like uh, public transportation schedules in various cities and you know they they roll it out gradually, you know they have to incorporate the data from various cities to to get it back to you. But it, it is really, really nifty. I use it all the time here in Atlanta where I, I'm going someplace where, you know, I don't regularly go there and I want to know, okay, well, if I need to get there by a certain time, what time do I need to leave my house right. in order to, to make that happen? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very useful tool.
0: Yeah. Uh, in April of 2008, then walking directions were added, uh, further furthering the <laughs> capacity. I'm seeing capacity a lot this episode. That's okay. I...
1: I often say the word pumpkin for no apparent reason. Pumpkin? Yeah.
0: In technology podcasts.
1: I can't explain it. Excellent. Okay.
0: (laughs) Walking Directions, April of 2008. And then uh, Mapmaker in August, which let people start to write in with changes, um, corrections to... Google Maps, yeah. which is one of the really big important things we think
1: yeah. about yeah. the software. We'll definitely get into that too.
0: Yes, um, October was uh, Maps for Android launched.
1: Uh, uh, something that I use frequently. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's one of it's one of the reasons why I don't think I could ever go back from having a smartphone is the map features. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I they are integral to my use.
0: I do not remember what I did before I I, had that information on my phone. I certainly
1: don't remember where I was.
0: (laughs) I spent a lot of time printing out directions. Yes. Uh, October of 2009 is my next uh, plot point in this in this audio drama, and that was turn by turn navigation in Android.
1: Another thing I use a lot.
0: Which yeah, back to that robot voice. You don't have to have a friend speaking in a robot voice anymore. No. Your your phone. You can be friendless, and your phone will do that for you.
1: I I actually count my phone as one of my closest friends oh. because otherwise, it the list is really short. <laughs>
0: 2010 biking directions added.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that's also pretty cool. Now And again, this is one of those things that the crowdsourcing comes in handy. We'll talk about that again in right. a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: by by August of 2010, uh, Google Maps Mobile had surpassed 100 million monthly
1: users. That's a lot of people. That's
0: a bunch. That's more than two. Yes. Um, and
1: <laughs> by, by 99,999,998, as I recall.
0: <laughs> and uh, making making Google Maps, in fact, so big... Um, and so popular that by November, there was this really interesting news item where there was an international dispute between Nicaragua and Costa Rica.
1: Oh, yeah. I read about this. So from what I understand, you had the borders were established between Nicaragua and Costa Rica. And th- th- this is a border that's been a it was dispute. A, it was a disputed border,
0: right? which Google Maps, by the way, will mark in red on international borders right. that are in
1: dispute. But But it had been settled in one way. And uh, and then Nicaragua started to uh, dig uh, dig out part of the river that, that separates the two countries. Right, like they were dredging the river, and technically they were dredging the river on the Costa Rica side of the border. And Costa and then, Rica took some exception, to right? This. Costa Rica was like, "Hey, dude, what are you doing?" Except by saying, "Hey, dude," they actually sent an armed group of people to stand at the border of the river and stare directly at the the Nicaragua side and then the the over on the Nicaragua side you had the government say, "Wait, wait, wait. Google Maps says this is on our side." <laughs> uh, whereas uh, I think anyone would tell you that was probably a disingenuous move.
0: That, yeah, yeah, that might have been that might have been a little bit of a
1: passing the buck. Yes. But anyway, ultimately but. it was it was resolved that they were in fact on the Costa Rica side and they withdrew. And uh, and then Google also uh, amended the map, but that's not the only time it's happened. There have been other cases where the, particularly around uh, water, bodies of water, because it's right, it's hard to see the dotted line <laughs> underneath because it's always underneath all that water. Yeah, I hate so it's that. really hard to tell where the border is. And Google sometimes will, uh, you know, in their maps they they have it laid out one way, and in. "Quote unquote reality," which <laughs> that's another my- episode. Your <laughs> mileage may vary. Uh, it's it's a different it's a different layout. So there have been cases like that. Yeah,
0: right, right. But you know, just just the fact that it was big enough that that a government could sit there and say, "Well, Google Maps said this yeah. thing" is impressive to me. I you know, I it's also scary. <laughs>
1: We can justify this war because Google said this. I mean, granted, there was no war here. I don't want to – I'm obviously exaggerating for effect. Right.
0: Um, But, uh, yeah, um, 2011, uh, Android uh, had indoor maps premiere, Mm -hmm. um, which is the fun thing where if you get lost, for example, in a mall instead of in a neighborhood, um, you can uh, call up a map on your Android device and have it tell you where to go. Um, and then in 2012, which, uh, which we are just recently out of, uh, Google Plus Local premiered. Um and towards the end of the year, uh, Apple and, and Google Maps had some exciting things happen uh, in that Apple totally kicked Google Maps out of the App Store.
1: Yep. For, for, for the premiere of... about three months. For about
0: three months, yeah. It wasn't until December that it came back. Yep. So, but we will also talk about that a little bit later on in the episode.
1: Yeah. Well, and and now I think I'm going to take a little bit of time here to talk about the nuts and bolts of Google Maps. um this is a uh, this is the technical part of our episode, and I'm not going to get too deep into this because, uh, for one thing, it would be very difficult to really really dive into it in an audio format. I kind of need visuals to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can gesticulate all we want. Yeah,
0: again, it's not really going to come through. It's very helping well.
1: Lauren, <laughs> but. Uh, beyond that, unfortunately, it's lost. But uh, but a couple things I wanted to talk about before I really get into the nuts and bolts. First of all, uh, with the satellite imagery, uh, that's kind of interesting in that there have been cases. You know, we talked about the border dispute. There have also been cases where uh, Google has been asked by various entities to blur out. Some of their satellite imagery, which you know, we should also point out, Google is partnering with other companies to get the data and the images. It's not that Google has satellites encircling the earth, constantly <laughs> taking photos. Uh, so the satellite imagery is, is acquired through other other uh, partners. But there have been times where Google has blurred stuff out. In some cases, it no longer does blur out. A few of those places, right. like the White House, that kind of thing. Right, right. But it used to be,
0: but some government facilities, mm-hmm. um, some
1: it's like yeah, like, like like military bases would be a big one. Right, right. right. And and uh, so there have been times where Google has blurred that stuff out a little bit to make it uh, less likely that someone might use Google Maps in a military strike against a target, that kind of thing. Uh, also, uh, if you ever wanted to know what Area Fifty One looks like, you can actually see that. On Google Maps, you can. Yep, you can 500? see it satellite. Oh yeah, no, it's it's mm-hmm. it's there. Now, granted, you know, we should also point out that Area Fifty One hasn't really been an active secret base for a while. <laughs> they moved that. Oh, we, um, we would have to talk to the conspiracy stuff guys. To... I'm pretty sure they're in Colorado now, actually. Right. And that's not a joke. I, I think they're really. I think the new base where a lot of the uh, the secret Air Force stuff, where they're doing test flights of of secret aircraft, is out of Colorado and not. Uh, Area 51 anymore. cool. Um, That's just off the top of my head. But anyway, it is on there if you want to take a look at it. Uh, But getting into the the nuts and bolts, it, it all starts with a project at Google that they call Ground Truth. Now, if you think about all the Google Maps you've seen and the various ways that you can customize it, where you can put push pins in, you can put different routes in, and you can view it in a million different ways, Ground Truth is kind of... The, the focal point of all of that, think of it as like the proto-map. Mm-hmm. It has all this data. And we're talking terabytes of data here that are going into making the maps what they are. That
0: kind of terrifying amount of data that we can't even really deal with on yeah. a mental level.
1: Because think about the stuff that's involved in a Google Map. You've got the actual graphical representation of the map so you've got you know streets you've got you might have you know outlines of buildings right. you have uh, uh, the names of landmarks that kind of stuff uh, on top of that all of those those uh, pieces of information are linked to um, coordinates
0: right. The geophysical coordinates,
1: right? Exactly. So latitude and longitude, you know, that the, the, those are all identified, so that when you look at a map, you're looking at it the correct, you know, way. It's not just a bunch of random places. <laughs> like, hey, Mount Rushmore is right next to the Grand Canyon, which is <laughs> right next to Disney World, and, uh, I mean, that's not it's true. It's A little
0: bit more precise than it used to be. Yes, is, is, is all we're saying. We have we have precisely to scale.
1: Right, and then on top of that, you have things like uh, business names included in this information. It's it's lots of info all together, and it's all there because you need to be able to look at the map in one of a billion different ways. So all this data is there, and then Google's algorithms are what have to make sense of the information and display the information that's relevant to you right. in the context that you are using the, the maps in. Right, right. Uh, to in when you the, when
0: you go in and say, hey, I want traffic, hey, I want satellite, hey, exactly. I want...
1: Hey, I want to know how to get from point A to point B versus, hey, I want to know how many different pizza places are around point B. Right. Versus, I want to know where the top-rated restaurant in San Francisco is. I mean, these are all different contexts you can use Google Maps in, and so it has to be able to be very flexible. Now, it, when you're actually looking at Google Maps... Uh, what you're looking at is uh, uh, it has a top side a top bar and a sidebar and those are just basic HTML right so it's just like uh, which a hypertext markup language it's the stuff that the web is made of mm-hmm. and dreams as it turns out <laughs> uh, that part's a lie um, and then the rest of it it all d- well originally it was all XML which is extensible markup language now extensible markup language is a way of telling a client, meaning a web browser in this case, right. how to display the information. So it's a set of instructions that says, "Here's all this data, and here's how you show the data to the person looking at it." Uh-huh. Okay, so it's just a set of instructions, really, is what it what it boils down to.
0: Mm-hmm. And these days, didn't they switch to a to a JavaScript object yes. mutation? Yes, they've got JavaScript.
1: Because- yeah, it's all JavaScript, and it's all um, it's it, it, JavaScript is is what they program everything in. I mean, it's essentially. Uh, back when it first started, this was a C++ program. That was back when uh, the the Dutch brothers were working on it, and now it's uh, now it's all JavaScript stuff. But yeah, it's um, it, you know it was really heavily using XML and uh, and something called uh, XSTL, which is Extensible Style Sheet Language. You would apply that to the XML to get HTML. All of that is just very technical and it also ultimately doesn't really matter because uh, they kind of switch to something called Maps GL which is a variant of the Web Graphics Library. That's the JavaScript you're talking about. So okay. It's part of the JavaScript application programming interface and it renders interactive graphics, which is what Google Maps are. Yes, It's an interactive graphic that you can play with. It's actually really kind of cool the way that works. Um, I, I have to give a lot of credit uh, uh, to Joel Weber. Now, Joel Weber is, uh, is a former graduate of Georgia Tech, but I don't hold that against him. Go Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> I'm a gator. Oh, oh, oh. oh, well, then Joel and I both hate you. Excellent. Um, you learn things every day, right? <laughs> Uh, So I mean, granted, I never once went to a football game, and
0: so. I, I was not on the football team. So Were you weren't. I, you don't have to hate me that much, yeah. That I mean, but...
1: she moves like a running back is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I don't anyway. even know what that means. Just, that... I, 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 I think running back is in baseball. So anyway, the, the oblong uh, spheroid. That's okay, like sorry, that. I got off track. <laughs> back to but no, no. uh, Joel Weber had, he, he took a lot of initiative early, early on in Google Maps. He thought it was a very interesting product and then he began to reverse engineer it and kind of learned the way it worked. So uh-huh. it wasn't until fairly recently that Google started talking about what makes Google Maps tick. In fact, I would say, I think it was like 2012 when they started letting journalists come in and they were essentially giving uh, kind of a symposium oh, wow. on an overview of how it works. But before that, it took people who were actually smart using enough it. to yeah. dig into to it and... Exactly. And Joel Weber was one of those guys. And he still has quite a bit of information up on the web that explains what he did and, and sort of what he learned. And um, among those things, he learned that the the center pane, that the actual map that you're looking at, is made up of a grid of tiles. Mm-hmm. And that grid is 128 wide and 128 tall. Okay, Not all of those tiles are in view uh, of the map, so so think of think of the map as kind of cutting off. It's it's the center of this tiled puzzle, and the the border around it, there are tiles that are outside of your your vision. Okay, okay? sure. And you know you can drag and and, and move the map around. You know mm-hmm. you hold down the the mouse button and you pull the mouse across, and then the map moves.
0: I believe the Google term for this, by the way, is slippy map.
1: Yes, which slippy I love. Map. <laughs> yes, and it turns out the slippy map. It, the reason it works is that. Every single image you're looking at is absolutely positioned. And when you scroll, it is essentially picking up the tiles that are off screen on one side and placing them down on the other side. If you want to think of like a different way of of imagining this, Joel had a great example. He says, imagine that you're on a train Mm -hmm. and the way that you continue moving forward is that you pick up the track you've just crossed over and you put it down in front of you so you can keep going. So as you're moving, huh. you're, you're removing the track behind you and putting it in front of you, and that way you just you don't have to end up generating the entire map, which would be a, a huge uh, drain on resources. It's
0: clipping it down to just the integral important. Right.
1: Exactly. The stuff that you need. It, it can cache stuff that happens to be around. And and again, you've got you've got stuff that's two or three or four or fifty tiles off the border, right? So mm-hmm. as you're pulling, you're first seeing stuff that's already loaded up. It just wasn't in your view, right? right? And then the, the tiles that are essentially moving to the other side are starting to pull the data necessary in case you keep going that way. Huh. So it gives you this sort of infinite scroll ability, which is right, pretty cool. Right. Um, and also it's it's very much a client-side application. And what we mean by that is that while it's pulling data from servers, from Google servers, which has, you know, have all this information, the most of the work is being done within the client. So on your computer, within the web browser, on your smartphone, whatever, that's what's doing most of the work. And the good thing about that is it means that it frees up the servers on Google's side, because lots of people are using this.
0: Just a few.
1: Right. And, and we talked about more how much... More than two. Yeah, more than two. <laughs> uh, and we talked about how many different ways you can use it. So with that in mind, with all the different ways you can use it, all the data that Google is holding, and the number of people, it's important that, we, that Google had designed it, and I say we, that Google had designed <laughs> the system in such a way that it doesn't bog down the server side, or else... Every time we would try to use Google Maps, it would take forever. Right, right. And because a lot of that work is being done by our devices, it means that, you know, if there's something slow, it's your computer's fault. <laughs> That's not exactly true because I mean there could be other issues, obviously. But in general, it means that the system works more smoothly than it would if it was all server side. Absolutely. Applications. So I mean like I said, I could get further into the the actual nuts and bolts of what Google Maps is doing and how it's doing it. But ultimately, I think it would be Uh, More confusing than helpful. (laughs) And also, we're getting to a point now where I've got to be completely upfront and honest with you guys. Like, all of this, I've got a pretty good handle on. But when I start going further in, it's going into a level of development and programming that's beyond my own personal experience. So at that point, I'd just be like, well, according to this, this (laughs) word that I don't know affects this other word I don't know. And I'd rather just spare everybody that.
0: Yes. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: And now back to the show. All right, so... One of the many topics that we said that we were going to come back to was Google Street View. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we wanted to come back to this is that it has been a little bit contentious because it's this fabulous technology that, like we said, lets you visit a place that you've never been to, lets you walk around an area that you are perhaps going to visit or are just curious about without having to get on a plane and get out in the wet and the rain and the cold. You know, it, it lets you do more once you get to a location. Sure, yeah. However... Unless you do more when you get to a location by virtue of the fact that it's taken detailed pictures of that location, including, for example, the cars and people and children and dogs that were walking by when the photography was taken. Mm-hmm. S- and some people had a problem with this. Some people said, hey, maybe maybe my baby should not be on Google Street View.
1: Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have that picture of uh, me coming out of the adult entertainment establishment... <laughs> Uh, in downtown Atlanta, so that now whenever anyone looks at said adult entertainment establishment on Google Street View, they see they me. see you. Yeah, that by the way is a generic me, not me me.
0: It's the royal me. Yeah, not I guess I guess that's okay. not how that
1: works. <laughs> but but no, that's exactly that's exactly right. There there were several communities not and also individuals that objected to Google Street View, saying that. Uh, it violated privacy. Mm-hmm. That they felt it was kind of creepy. There were people who uh, who said that this is going to turn into a tool for uh, thieves to use. Sure, where they, they can they can virtually case a house without ever having to actually go into the neighborhood.
0: Oh, sure, sure. Or the kind of higher paranoia of this is going to turn into a government tool for those countries uh, that do not have CCTV. Right. Already. Sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Or or that. Uh, you know, maybe the day that Google Street View went through my neighborhood was uh after I had uh not not taken care of my lawn yet. And so now the Six house, months later when you tried to sell your house. Exactly. And people, people go say, online hey. like, mm, that's a dump. Yeah, it may very well be any of those things. Now the flip side of that is that there were people who had fun. With Google Street View. (laughs) They would see that the Google Street View, they would either know that the car was scheduled to go down the street at a certain time or they would see it. And they would stage various humorous things to happen so that it would be captured by the Google Street View car as it went by. Uh, We've talked about some of these in previous episodes of Tech Stuff where there were people who would uh, create a virtual parade. On on a street, well, that's and delightful. So, yeah, it's fantastic. You, if you look at Google Street View and you look at you know art projects or parade that kind of stuff, you, it'll pull these these images up and you can actually see how creative people were. I've, I saw one where it was a uh, a group of Larpers all in uh, full foam gear oh wailing on each that's, other. That's so wonderful. You're going through a suburban neighborhood and like there's a, and- a, a all-out melee <laughs> happening. Um, I mean, if it were me. I, I know what I would want to do. Like Anytime I knew that there was going to be a Google Street View car going through New York, I would be like, okay, guys, it's Warriors cosplay time. Who wants to be the baseball Furies? Who wants to be the high hats? We are going to go out there, and bangers, we are going to make some noise. Can you dig it? I th- That's probably the whitest can you dig it That I,
0: I think it probably was. That's okay. I'm, History I'm is being made right here. <laughs> Come out and play. Oh, dear.
1: That's a documentary for you folks out there, <laughs> the Warriors. Late 70s. Look it up. Important,
0: yeah. important information. Yes.
1: But yeah, uh, so, so it's gone, you know, both with the privacy issues and as well as like people, you know, taking advantage of it to have some fun. I think, I think for the most part, Google enjoys the whole let's have fun with it thing as long as it's within the realms of, you know, safety and good taste. But right. the, um, but as the privacy thing's been a lot more complicated, I mean, you've had entire communities say, we don't want this. Yeah. No, we're, thank you. We're a gated community. You do not get to, this is private property. You don't get to come in through here. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, Google's whole motto is that they want to uh, index the information of the universe. And part of that is all of the places you can go (laughs) on the planet Earth. So there is there has been this problem. Now, the other thing about Street View is that it's actually been very helpful with Google Maps in making them more accurate. You know, we talked about earlier, if you were just looking at a map, a physical map, a paper map in your hands – you might not be able to find the best route from where you are to where you're going because you might not be able to see which which roads uh, are no longer uh, open or which ones are one-way streets.
0: What's under construction. Exactly.
1: What's... So one of the things that Google Street View would do is that the routes that these cars would take would help validate which routes are open to vehicles. Right. So... If a if a Google Street View car could not go up a street, it's because it might be a one way street or whatever, then that information was part of the information that'd be saved and would be integrated into that proto map I was talking about. Right. And you know, really when you think about it, when you're getting directions from point A to point B, it's pretty complex. It it has to take into account all of those things and say, all right, this may not seem like it's the fastest route, but it is, it is because, because of all these of other factors. of all of these factors. Yeah, it's really complex. Mm-hmm. But uh, Google Street View helped that out. So the Google Street View provided two different kinds of information. It provided the, the images, which right. that was the, the obvious one. Top level, yes. But also the route information by the actual route the cars had to go through in order to capture all those images. So that's uh, it was sort of a validation method. That Google used as well. On top of that, we had the whole idea of this crowdsourcing, uh, which we had talked about a little bit earlier. But crowdsourcing, uh, Google uses crowdsourcing in two ways, uh, or at least two ways. One of for them for Google Maps. For yes. Google Maps, thank
0: you.
1: <laughs> Google uses crowdsourcing in lots of ways, but Google, Google Maps in particular, two two main ways. One of them is traffic. Yes. And uh, generally speaking, they're tracking. Um, People who happen to be using uh, cell phones, particularly cell phones using Google Maps, and tracking their progress either through uh, uh, you know little anonymous GPS tracking or anonymous uh, cell phone tracking, you know, as you move from from one, one cellular tower, tower to, to the another. next. Sure. And the idea is that hey, you know, if if this same user is able to make their way through this this particular street at this particular speed, that gives me an idea of how
0: how fast traffic is going right. and whether or not yes what color code we need to rig that up as yeah
1: exactly like if they're if they're crawling they're either not in a car <laughs> or traffic is bad and <laughs> and this is aggregated so it's not just a single person we're talking thousands upon thousands of people and the important thing to remember is that I mean, assuming that we're we're all on the up and up here, it is anonymous data. Right. So Google doesn't know it's a particular person.
0: Right. It knows that it's your phone, but it doesn't know that you are Jane Smith and that you are going from your home to your office to PetSmart to...
1: Right. All it knows is that this particular phone is moving at this particular speed in this particular place. Right. So uh, beyond that, it doesn't know that that phone belongs to Jane or that Jane is on her way to commit a hit for the mob
0: (laughs) right it does not it does not record the starting and stopping points right
1: which is another thing that people are worried about with directions right right of course if if i put in i need to know how to get to this point is it going to be saved somewhere so that google knows that i went from here to there i obviously depending upon what you're doing that could be very sensitive information
0: very undesirable
1: sure like Job hunting. Yeah. Like, let's say that, you know, my boss is like, hey, you know, um, this weird thing popped up. <laughs> Turns out it looks like you've been going to every single one of our rivals recently, and a lot of our uh, rivals are coming out with really similar products to ours. That would be, I mean, clearly, you know, that's unethical behavior on the part of the user, but right. that's just an example.
0: Sure. But, you know, for example, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the other way that the traffic data is garnered is via um, microwaves.
1: Oh, wow. So yeah. like when people are making popcorn? Yes. Wow. No. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> but that's but that's another episode. That is in fact an episode that Jonathan and Chris did previously. Oh, yeah, so, that's right.
1: I was like, this sounds really familiar, but I didn't research this. We've
0: already done this bit, haven't <sighs> we? Aww.
1: 470-something episodes. It's kind of hard to keep track.
0: He has no idea anymore.
1: No, I, I don't even know where I am. That's why I need this podcast.
0: Also, age is getting to him.
1: Thank you. There has to be one in every episode, doesn't there? There really does. Okay, that's fair. Anyway. Uh, so that was one form of crowdsourcing. The other one is you were talking about the, the, the map maker where uh, this idea about in your personal experience using Google Maps, you might encounter a situation where the map is not accurate.
0: And it's allowing people um, to be helpful. It's allowing you to inform the map experience that they have created.
1: Yo, dude, you totally turned me down the wrong side of the street, or uh, the road you wanted me to take is a private road, and I cannot actually drive on it. Uh, I encountered that actually yesterday, Yeah, but it was because uh, Google Maps can't counter user stupidity. (laughs) And and in my case, it was that I wasn't really thinking. I was was going to a specific location. I don't even mind saying where it was. I was going to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens so I could see some pretty lights. Well, that's a classy place to go, Jonathan. It is. I felt totally out of place. My wife, however, completely at home. So uh, trying to get to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. But here's the thing. Atlanta Botanical Gardens has a, uh, there's a parking structure that's adjacent to Atlanta Botanical Gardens, but it's run by a different company. Right. Right? So when I put Atlanta Botanical Gardens into the Google Maps program, it's telling me how to get to the gardens themselves, uh-huh. which are off of little private roads that I cannot actually cannot access. access. If I had put in the parking garage from the very beginning, then it would have sent me the correct way to get to there. To
0: actually enter
1: yeah, the gardens. I did not do that. So in that case, I actually did encounter a problem. Now granted, you know, I just realized I was on the other side of an enormous park, and I just had to go around, around, and then I got there. So it wasn't a big deal, right? But in other situations, that could be a problematic. very big deal, sure. Yeah. So, okay. map maker lets you correct those sort of problems and send an inf- send information to Google and say, "Hey guys, uh, just FYI, right, fix this."
0: Yes, and we're pretty sure that that's not based on a single user's experience yeah. because that would be very dangerous. And... Yeah, you
1: could easily troll the system. Yeah, you know, you, I can here's here's how I would use it. If, if that were the case, uh-huh, everywhere I would go, I would say that the closest, fastest route was not working, so that way I could guarantee there'd never be any traffic <laughs> because people would be routed around it. That would
0: be insidious that's
1: that's how I think <laughs> Lauren. this is this is the way I think. I think how can I manipulate the system to benefit me?
0: That's terrifically evil thank Thank goodness Google is slightly less evil than yeah. you, and has has accounted for. For such things,
1: yeah. Well, you know, that's that's the thing. They 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 really do anticipate people gaming the system, and so they're one step ahead of me. Google, (laughs) right? So anyway, both of those methods are really important for Google Maps. uh, You know, just to just to give the best user experience possible. Because even though you know Google's in the business of selling ads, essentially. Uh, or selling ad space, mm-hmm. you know, they have to make products that are, are user-friendly. Yeah. And it's
0: part of what makes the product yours. It's part of, part of what makes it interactive and it adds into that entire Slippy Map concept of, of being able to, to go in there and mess around with it yeah. and really dig your fingers in. Right. And, and of course also you can, um, uh, add in your business's information into a map. You can, uh um, yeah. edit business, in, businesses information. You can provide reviews of a business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's It's literally mapping to other parts of the Internet. So it's not just showing you the physical uh, location of a place that you're searching for. It's giving you access to other uh, resources that gives you more information about the place you're looking for. It's kind of this whole idea of marrying the physical world and the digital world so that the two are integrated so tightly that we have access to pretty much any kind of info you want at any time you want, any place you want, which has its benefits and its drawbacks. Uh but uh, I wanted to also kind of touch back. We we talked about this briefly, but I wanted to talk a little bit about what happened with Apple.
0: Right, right.
1: So Apple comes out with the iPhone 5 as well as the release of the 6th generation of iOS. Right. The operating system for the iPhone and iPad and iPod Touch.
0: And for that, it had developed its own map system, yeah, Apple Maps.
1: Apple Maps. And uh people began to notice that Google Maps was no longer available within the uh, Apple uh, App Store, which I was struggling to name earlier today. And then I forgot, <laughs> oh, wait, yes, they are the one it's that's called the, the App, App Store. Store. Yes. Uh, but yes, it, 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 Google Maps, uh, Google and Apple had had sort of a, uh, a weird relationship a love hate relationship there was a time when uh, eric schmidt who was uh, at at that time the ceo of google
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: he was also sitting on the board of directors of apple
0: oh wow and uh-huh. then
1: eventually he resigned his position as a member of the board of directors uh, and he cited that it was because he felt there was going to be an increasing conflict of interests between the two companies sure and um, and in fact there were several reports that Steve Jobs was more than a little put out when Android hit the market because he said that he felt um, that Android was copying Apple. Whether or not you think that makes him somewhat hypocritical with his uh, <laughs> citing of Picasso saying that good artists borrow great artists steal, um, <laughs> that's beside the point. Anyway, <laughs> the the die had been cast. There was this contentious relationship between Apple and Google. And then Apple released its Apple Maps app that that introduced turn by turn navigation, which was a huge deal. That was something that Apple users had been asking for on the iPhone for and had not years. gotten, have still not gotten. Yeah, have... well, no, no, because no. Apple okay. Apple Maps does have it. Well, but, but Apple not... Maps was buggy. Yes, that was the problem. But that was the thing was that they were asking for it for ages. Uh, like, and, and once Google Maps came out for Android and, and once it incorporated navigation, uh, I, I had a lot of friends who had iPhones who were very much irritated by this because they said, well, you know, Apple leads the way in the smartphone experience. They defined mm-hmm. the smartphone experience for the consumer in the United States at least and sure. the, several other parts of the world as well why are they trailing behind google and part of the reason was that you know uh, google didn't really want to work with apple so much and apple didn't really want to work with google so much so there was enough tension there that uh, that it they was, were
0: they were increasingly becoming competitors in the market and yeah. google was like i don't want to give you my toys i right. think i'm going to keep those toys thanks right.
1: and that way it differentiates my toys from your toys and right. that way people will buy my toys and not your toys and uh, and Apple was like, well, fine, we're going to make our own stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when, which is a perfectly valid response. Oh, of course, so, absolutely. I'm making it sound like they were being
0: <laughs> petulant
1: children. Yeah, that's not that's not the case. It's it made perfect business sense. What what maybe didn't make as much sense was that they released the Maps app for iPhone uh, possibly too early. Yes, there were a lot of people who felt that the application was not as polished as it needed to be. And then it did in fact have lots of bugs in it. Now, Apple got its map data from primarily from TomTom, which has great data. Which
0: is pretty okay. Yeah. yeah. They they do they do all right. Yeah, they they
1: <laughs> they've got they know their stuff. And you know, and we mentioned earlier, Google gets their map data from like thirteen hundred sources and then has to merge it all together. And Apple got it from more than just TomTom, but TomTom was the primary uh, source of the, the map data for Apple. So something was going on between the data that they were receiving and the implementation of the application itself right. that made it less accurate. There's and,
0: yeah something wiggy in that logarithm that we were talking about yeah. earlier that actually pulls the, the important information out and right. presents it to you.
1: Yeah, so you, you might not notice that there is a river in the way of your route because <laughs> uh, Apple failed to... Pay attention to that. Or there was the, uh, a pretty well-reported uh, incident where the government of Australia said, "Don't use uh, Apple oh, Maps wow. because uh, uh, it's it's taking this one route that should go a fairly simple way and putting people through a oh, I massive that. yeah. It was a desert. Yeah. It was essentially it was essentially routing people through a huge desert that was a part of a, a, an enormous park in Australia. Mm-hmm. And the fear was that people would be using the, the application to try and go someplace, they would get rerouted through the desert, lose... Uh, lose signal. Lose signal and not have enough gas to get out. To get and out, And then they're yeah. stuck in the desert. And
0: then accidental walkabouts are not really...
1: Yeah, and, and in Australia, at the time of the story, it was just starting to get into summer. You know, here it's here it's winter. Right. Because uh, we live on the upright side of the world and they live on the upside-down <laughs> side of the world. <laughs> yes. I love you, Australians. But- <laughs> also, Kiwis, I love you, too. Aw, um, but yeah, anyway, so th- this was a this was a big issue and, and so it was a double whammy right because they they kicked Google out of the store right The Apple app was not fully baked. In fact, famously the guy who was in charge of the whole iOS thing was um, asked to leave Apple. Yes. became a consultant and then was kind of pushed out.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it was a huge hubbub. Um, I, I I had so much of that hubbub coming through coming through my internet perceptors that I just did not even update my phone. I I, I use an iPhone. Yeah. And I did not upgrade. I didn't want to mess with Apple Maps. I chose to ignore the entire situation.
1: Yep. And and a lot of people did that. And about uh, three months later, so uh, it was late December of two thousand twelve, mid to late December. maybe have been mid December when uh, Google Maps reappeared in the uh, App Store, complete with turn-by-turn navigation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Google took the opportunity to kind of twist the knife a little bit and talk about how great their map data was. (laughs) Keeping in mind, again, the Apple data wasn't necessarily what was wrong. It was something else between the data and the implementation. But at any rate, Google definitely took a little bit of time to kind of – Say, look how awesome we are! Yeah. Well, they—they um, they also,
0: I mean, it, it became the most popular download within hours on the App Store. It, you know, clearly people had been clamoring for it. Yeah. And and that. Um. Uh, also, I, I might have I might have missed this one on my timeline, but but in December, um, of two thousand twelve, mm, Google Maps hit one billion monthly active users.
1: That's a lot of people, it's, trying to find their way to the. Same restaurants I'm going to. Aww. That's why I can never get in. <laughs> I just need to be a little more famous, people. Just a little more famous. I'm not quite famous enough to get a good table at a restaurant. Yeah. So if you guys could help me with that, that'd be awesome. If you can clout me up in good table and restaurant, <laughs> I would really appreciate it. I don't know that that's going to help, but you know, it can't hurt.
0: I, you, you can You can bring in your phone and just say, like, I have
1: clout. <laughs> Look at me. Look how important I am. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's does not take that seriously.
0: <laughs> no, do do what you can, listeners. Keep us keep us well fed.
1: Yeah. Uh, so uh, we wanted to kind of conclude this episode talking about what is in store for Google Maps. What's the future like? You know what what is Google working toward to make Google Maps even more interesting and yet potentially worrisome? <laughs> it's just the way it is. <laughs>
0: Again, what was our what was our catchphrase from earlier? I have zero. I'm I'm like oh, a goldfish. I don't
1: know. It's reassuring and yet terrifying. <laughs> yes. Something like that.
0: <laughs> reassuring and yet terrifying. I don't have
1: my business card, so I can't tell you for sure.
0: <laughs> um, according to uh, to uh, Michael Jones, who is one of the employees at Google, the uh, chief technology advocate. Okay. I think uh, <laughs> is his is his title. A great I, title. It is a great title. I'm, Google names things so well. I'm jealous of their entire marketing department. Yeah. But um. Uh, his his vision of the future um, he was just talking about the other day in an interview is that uh, Google really wants to provide individualized information on the go, mm-hmm. which means that as you're as you're walking down a street with your Google Maps app open, it might start telling you like oh hey. A scene from your favorite movie was filmed in that lot over there. Maybe you want to go check that out. Or, oh, hey, you really like Vietnamese food, and the highest-rated Vietnamese restaurant within a 500-mile radius is right over there on the other side of the block. So you might want to go check that, that out.
1: That's pretty cool. I mean, But the idea here is that Google is not just using your previous use of Google Maps to determine this. They're using everything like your actual search history. Your
0: search history, your Google Plus account, all of that integrated yeah. information that starts getting just a little bit stalkery.
1: Yeah, and, and you wonder to what extent could this go to. And uh, I made some very goofy, uh, ridiculous examples to Lauren before <laughs> the show, which I'm not going to repeat because really it's just they got silly. But the point being that if – If you – like let's say that you have a job and you've logged into a job uh, version of your Gmail um, and your job is with the CDC. Sure. So you might do a lot of different searches on very specific types of uh, health problems. Sure. What would Google Maps think of that? Like where would the like, Google Maps like do you want to go to the free clinic? I mean it's be it's you know it just it raises questions. Now and and then from a from a broader perspective, let's say that you're using your own personal Google account and you uh do a lot of, you know, bizarre searches. Uh it kind of makes you wonder like how much of this inf- it gets personalized it's supposed to be anonymous so google's not supposed to actually know that you, it that this is tied to you personally again
0: it's 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 the royal you it's yeah. the it's it's not you jane
1: smith it's, right it's 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 the person who does these searches and goes to these places would like these things right and it's hard for us to kind of reconcile that in our heads and divorce that from who we are personally. Right. So it, it starts to feel like Google not only knows where we go and what we do, but it's telling us what to do now and we <laughs> need to follow those instructions carefully. Um, it is a little weird. Now, this being said, uh, I, I personally think that it's kind of an interesting thing and I'm, I'm more, I'm open-minded enough to say, bring it on. I want to see how this works out and I want to see like the kind of suggestions Google comes up with. Absolutely. And uh, I've been using Field trip, which is a, a Google app, uh, I talked about it with Chris in a previous episode, a few episodes ago, where it's it's a location based service that looks at where you are based upon, you know, occasionally it's pinging your your device to see where you are based upon your, your uh, either cellular triangulation or GPS or whatever, right. And then it says, "Let's take a quick look in this area and see if there's anything in the area that would interest him and you kind of or her." And you you, you kind of let the app know what you are, what your interests are. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's not, it's uh, not...
0: broad categories. I yeah. want sports or I don't want restaurants. Right. Or... Mine is
1: always I want food. <laughs> it is always food and history. Those are the two that I will always pick. And so I get a lot of stuff like best beignets in Atlanta, which honestly, not a lot of competition there but um uh and uh and and anyway uh it's a parish by the way anyway the uh P A R I S H free plug <laughs> uh the any, anyway the the app does this by uh by checking its database and, and referencing against your physical location, and occasionally giving you stuff, and you can even tell it how frequently you want updates. Right? How
0: often? I want them all the bloody time. But, versus yeah. or
1: yeah. do or only when I open the app, or sometime in between. I've got it in the in between because right. I don't want to get I don't want my phone vibrating every five seconds thinking I've got a message and it turns out it's, hey, there's a place that sells burgers. <laughs> you like food. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't need it quite that frequently. Uh-huh. But that that's kind of an example of what Google Maps could incorporate in the future. But in the case of Google Maps, it would be even more personal. So it would be based like if I, if it noticed that I had done a lot of searches for like Indian food. I love Indian food. Mm-hmm. And there are only a few restaurants uh, that I know of that serve really good, authentic Indian food that are near me. Right. But I know there are a lot more that are further out of, of my neighborhood. Sure. So I've done a lot of searches. Well, in the future, Google Maps will be taking, uh, will, will notice that kind of stuff. It'll cross-reference with my search history. And let's say I go to some other city, like, I don't know, London. Mm-hmm. And it says, hey, you like Indian food? Let me tell you where to go.
0: We've got, we've got a thing for you.
1: Yeah. You, you want some kebabs? We can give you kebabs. <laughs> or if you want real Indian food, if you want, if you want, uh, the various curries or Vindaloo's I'm a Vindaloo fiend. <laughs> then, um, yeah. So, I mean, they, in that sense, it's interesting, but there is still this lingering fear that perhaps this information is somehow being tied to us as our identities and that yeah, it could... That
0: it could be stored or use ag- used against us in yeah. some way. Or or even even just uh, some people get a little bit creeped out. I get a little bit creeped out that I'm being advertised to so specifically sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when it's when that's useful, it's terrific. But very occasionally, I just get this ping in the back of my head that's like, why does it know that about me?
1: It makes me think that in the future, we're all going to only see the stuff that we are truly interested in And not see all the other stuff that we're not interested in and I'm okay with that because (laughs) uh, occasionally I I flip through something like Reddit or I'm randomly changing channels and I think I could have lived a happy life without ever knowing that that was a thing. And if I have my life where I mean, granted, it also means that you're it also means you're less adventurous. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, the process of discovery is really terrific. And also, I mean, will will it will it deauthenticate the process of discovery? Will you never again have the terrific feeling of walking down a street and going, "Hey, that hole in a wall looks terrific," and walking in and having one of the best meals of your life?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of questions here. Maybe maybe Google will build that into the algorithm, where occasionally it'll just say, like, (laughs) you know, Lauren never comes out of her shell, and just down the street is a, uh, a tap dancing and jazz dancing uh, uh, school. We're going to convince her to go in there and take classes and then she's going to have a recital and everyone's going to go. It's not a recital, is it? Whatever, I, whatever I, the dance equivalent is. I have
0: absolutely no clue.
1: Anyway, well, see, that's think, that's why it would pop up for you <laughs> because it would say, like, you know what Lauren needs? She needs to get out more. She needs to needs to, to shed this shy exterior and, and just let her inner choreographer shine that and I think
0: I think that if Google could talk that is in fact what it would say about yeah.
1: me. I'm pretty sure Google would never stop slapping me <laughs> Just grow up grow up Strickland it's pretty much what I would get all the time.
0: that's that's what if, if it weren't for uh, for uh, employee handbook laws here at how
1: stuff works, I'm sure that would happen in the office. Oh, I've, been, great I've, deal. I've been slapped here. It's fine. it's happened. Josh Josh alternately praises me and hits me. It's it's nice. I, All right. I, I kid. I kid. No. I kid our stuff, you should know, fans. They are great people. They are. He'll hit me if I don't say that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I think that wraps up this discussion. I mean, we've seen sort of the past. We've seen how it works in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see the development of Google Maps. And, 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 you know, I'm sure we'll see a lot of discussion and healthy debate in the future as these – other features roll out and are mm-hmm. integrated, and uh, and maybe maybe two or three generations from now, people will just be like, "Hey, that's just the way things are." Yeah, uh, we're in this transitional period where it's really kind of weird. So, but that's okay. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So change is fun. Fun and scary.
1: Yep. Fun and scary. That's going to be my new title on my business card. So while I go and get this <laughs> printed up, I just want to remind everybody, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us with the handle techstuff HSW and Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon.